Janet Perrine here with Nanda Tony, the host of The Transparency Effect. And today we are doing our episode three show uh, podcast. And we have a very special guest, Rob Persaud. Rob is joining us today. He is a software engineer and inspiring author. And the most important thing is he is a father of two daughters. Thank you so much, Rob, for joining us today. We're so excited to have you here. Thank you, uh, Janet and Amanda. It's good to be here. Awesome. Uh, do you want to go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So you guys know me, Robert Prasad, um, or Rob Prasad. I work at Cox Automotive as a software engineer. Uh, I came to the United States when I was nine years old, lived in New York City most of my life. I uh, switched uh, scenes and uh, arrived at Georgia to attend school and explore uh, career opportunities and this is where I met my wife and her extended family and it's been great times and now we have uh, two lovely daughters ages uh, five and seven. Wonderful thank you so much for sharing that information with us. Uh, you actually are connected with Nanda outside of the, our podcast and <laughs> I know that she's got some questions right off the bat that she wanted to go ahead and, and ask you and we're very interested to pick your brain as a dad. Excellent I'm excited. Yes, yes. And I, um, we asked Rob because I am actually related to him. And so I've gotten to see him at, he, by marriage. He's married to my cousin and Alicia. And I've gotten to um, observe him as a father and as a person. And I think he's doing a phenomenal job being engaged with his girls. And uh, I know that he's a, a very um, intelligent and very open and willing to talk to us. So we're really excited to kind of dive deep into a dad's mind. And thanks for being such a good sport, Rob, and letting us pick your brain and ask you some, some, some tough questions. But the first question I wanted to ask you about um, raising girls, and this is continuing our podcast about empowering women um, and keeping them, keeping, not only keeping them psychologically and physically safe um, from a young age to throughout your adulthood, but in also help, but in doing so, helping women to achieve their goals and their dreams ultimately. So, I don't know about you, but when when I was pregnant with with Alex, um, especially, <laughs> I was super nervous because I'm a girl and now I'm responsible for raising a boy, and I'm like, I don't know that much about boys, you know, and I don't know if I'm going to do this right. Were you nervous when you first found out you were having a girl, as far as like parenting? Um, I think I was nervous about parenting in general because now I was responsible for something else other than myself or, you know, Alicia. We decided uh, we were going to spend a good deal of time getting to know each other in our marriage. So I think we waited about eight or nine years before we really uh, uh, decided to uh, have children. And um, then when we decided to, uh, we asked a lot of questions, read a lot of books, and we tried to become as prepared, but obviously nothing prepares you for being a parent, right? Right. Um, when I heard it was a girl, I was really ecstatic. Um, simply because, you know, with girls, I think one of my best friends told me this about their experience with his girl, and it really, really transitioned to uh, my life with them is that you get to be yourself as a dad when you have girls. It, it's, it's a strange thing saying that, but, you know, I think society uh, expects, uh, you know, males and females to act and behave differently. And, um, you know, I still do my uh, male uh, experiences that, you know, don't necessarily translate over to my girls, you know, my sports, my cars, you know, you know, 
you know, uh, visiting bars, things like that, right? I'm still bought into that aspect of society, but with my girls, when I come home, it's just, we get to do whatever they want to do. They want to, you know, put bow ties in my hair. They want to act. They want to draw. They, you know, they want to fight and kick and do things that society wouldn't necessarily, um, you know, uh, encourage them to do. You know, we're all about it. So, like, I was really excited for the challenge, to be honest, and, and, and being able to sort of uh, help break down some barriers um, through my girls. That's a really interesting point, too, because, and you, you can tell me what you think about this, too, Janet, as well as with raising girls, is I feel like a lot of times in society, or, or at least in the past, we've looked at girls as they're a little bit helpless, um, they, they're, they were sweet, feminine, dainty, but girls can also be tough as nails, we can be all of those things, and feminine, and, and, and you know, totally dainty and girly, but we can also be tough. We can be strong, both physically and mentally um, as well. So the fact that you're saying, hey, we can do whatever, you're encouraging them to do whatever they want to do, whether it's, you know, fight, kick, scream, paint nails, act. So, so I'm a huge sports fan. And I think with sports, it gives me a, a sort of different insight into with my girls, especially because like with sports, it's about if you're conditioned to do something really early on, that's, how, that's what you're going to know to do, right? Mm -hmm. Society's not really gonna shape you per se because like i don't know like you think of the best hockey players like gretzky or or something like that you know they started like age three or four they, that's all they knew how to do if my girls started playing hockey at age three or four and one is five and seven we're finding what they like to do um we're hoping they're going to become proficient and good at it no matter the the gender you know and that's how we're looking at it it's just about if you're exposed to something um and i think title i think title nine is the thing that gave me that sort of insight I think in the, you know, before Title IX appeared in schools, I guess in the late 90s, I have, uh, fact check me on that, um, women weren't allowed to really engage in sports in schools, right? It's not a thing, like they wouldn't get funded. You couldn't do hockey, you couldn't do basketball, you couldn't do baseball. You know, universities didn't really fund that. Then Title IX came around and um, government, uh, federal, federal programs started getting funded, or schools started getting funded from federal programs for girls to engage in sports. And now we have a WNBA, now we have a pro, you know, we, uh, Pro, uh, women's soccer league we have a lot of these uh things we're seeing that you know and girls in video games i'm mean, huge on that i think it's really about exposure so hopefully. and i think it's so interesting a couple of things you've brought up already um being ecstatic to have a girl i to be honest when i was pregnant with my oldest tatum i was praying let me have a boy let me have a boy i oh, wanted really? a boy to carry on my husband's name and I wanted my husband to have someone to enjoy sports with all the things that you were saying. I didn't think of it the way I think of it now as a mom of two girls. So I wasn't able to have two boys. I have two girls and I wouldn't have it any other way. So I, I really find it interesting to hear from you that you were like, I was ecstatic to have a girl. Um, my young, my oldest daughter started playing soccer when she was three. Right. Oh, awesome. So that's my husband's sport now is soccer and she's a competitive soccer player now and she hopes to play in college. So that I find very interesting, Rob, what you said. And then I have, Nanda, are you familiar with, I have not heard of the title nine. No, I, I don't know. That was something that, that was new to me. So how did you hear about that? Or were you always familiar with title nine? You know, I, I follow sports. Um, I, I guess I'm a big sports junkie when it comes to news and uh, the systematic uh, parts of it, uh, whether it's the rules, regulations, you know, uh, steroids, whatever. And I, 
Tunnel Line was a thing, something that stuck out to me. And I think, um, I'm not sure when I started paying attention to it because I, I, I don't remember, but I know it's important like for athletes like Ronda Rousey, who actually, uh, you know, she started at a very early age, you know, she was an Olympian. Um, she made her name in the, in the ring. And I've had a lot of debates with my male uh, uh, friends or, or coworkers or, you know, associates. And it's always interesting to hear different perspectives, but at the end of the day, it always comes down to, these are people, regardless of gender, who trained very early on with a single purpose and a vision, and they excelled at it. So I, I think that's how, you know, I, I sort of advocate for Title IX. It's just, yeah, you know, we, we can spend an entire podcast on that because <laughs> if you look at how pro uh, soccer women uh, players are paid, it's, it's atrocious. And I think the highest paid salary is Alexa Morgan, and I think she may be barely crossing fifty or 60000 not including endorsements. The average price, I think, or salary is like 25000 where these male athletes are getting, what, millions? Right. It is disgusting. Um, that is a whole nother podcast for sure. <laughs> I know that the women's U.S. team, they're actually, I believe, if COVID-19 allows them to, they're supposed to go to court in May, I believe, oh, nice. um, to continue that, I guess, trial it's really unfair they brought so many national titles to this country i mean they get recognized it's not like it's an, not an exciting sport i mean they're the dominant soccer team in america Absolutely. Anyway. so getting back to why we had you on the show the transparency effect is here to inspire empower and motivate people and having this conversation with tatum last week and picking her brain as a 16 year old and having conversations um, that some, some may consider not appropriate to have with their daughter. What are your, what are your thoughts on communication as your children are aging with difficult topics such as, you know, going into the workforce? Uh, one thing Nanda and I talked about that was probably a hot topic, even as a younger child bullying, you know, how, how do you, how do you handle these conversations in your home? So I want to preface it. I think um, each family dynamic is different. And obviously the relationship I have with my wife, you know, um, I do uh, respect that there is a relationship with their mom and a relationship with their, you know, dad. And obviously the relationship with both of us mm -hmm. and all three are sort of unique and, and different in how they re re respond and react or they find their comfort in. So, um, those are very tricky questions, but very good ones. And, and I'm glad I'm on this podcast to sort of just think it through for myself. Um, with the workforce, I'd like to think with anything I do with them, it's not going to be sort of a, you know, an egocentric uh, attempt at being a dad. It's me, you know, it's my way or the highway. It's mm -hmm. more like it's a partnership. It's, um, I do have to respect my wife's opinion in it, and it's going to be different than mine. Um, and these are things we have to consider, like what's going through their, the, the funnel of the of their minds, you know, what are they taking out of it and, and how can we as a, a couple step back and, and help guide them. But ultimately, like when it comes to things like the workforce, um, from a male perspective, I just want them to be excited about what they work on. You know, I want them to be passionate about it. Um, and, you know, while we're still around, I think we are in a position right now to provide for them in a way where, you know, we, I didn't necessarily have grown up or a lot of people around me didn't where they had stability so that they can explore that passion side of it instead of it just, you know, when we're gone, maybe it's going to be a nine to five or at some point in time, they're going to grow up and it's going to be a nine to five. It's going to be a job for, for the workforce. It's just, mm -hmm. they should feel empowered to, you know, do what really gets them motivated and excited to, you know, kind of change the world or do something. I, happy. 
And I think you said something very important. Every family dynamic is different, right? So what may work for my family may not work for your family. We take a very team approach. There are things that I as mom handle that Devin does not handle. Um, but that works for us, right? So I, I think you really hit the nail on the head and being respectful and saying every family is unique and different. Nanda, did yeah. you want to add? Um, I do think, I do think um, I have observed sometimes, and I don't think this is what you're saying, Rob, sometimes with dads of daughters, um, when it comes time to, uh, when hormones start to kick in, bodies start to change, they're like, it's time for me to disengage and everything to go to mom, <laughs> you know, go to mom now. And, and I think um, even though th that happens and certainly there will be things that they are more comfortable with mom, I don't think that you can underestimate the importance of dad staying engaged during that time. Um, so what are your, what are your thoughts about that, Rob? And have you, I know you haven't experienced that yet. It'll, you're going to blink and it's going to be here. Um, right. I think really good that I think Janet did this and you're doing this, you guys are doing this, that you're setting that emotional engagement right now with them and which will foster you being able to have and continuously have those important conversations and challenging conversations later on. So I was telling Janet, it's like, oh man, it's not like, you know, you cannot have this close relationship with your kids and all of a sudden you wake up and they're 14 or 15 or 16 and go, hey, I want to have this, you know, really heart to heart with you and you haven't been having heart to hearts. And it's just weird and awkward, right? So they don't want to listen to you, but that, that you're staying constantly plugged in, engaged, and making them comfortable with speaking to you, you know, or the two-way conversation, I think it's really important. But what are your thoughts on, on um, if you were thinking ahead, how would you handle them, handle that period when they start to change? Well, gosh, I'm always thinking ahead. Uh, you should know that about me. Um, yes, <laughs> and I really think you hit it in a nail that uh, we try to be as engaged as individuals and as a couple and, you know, as a family uh, with the kids, because like you said, we're, we're going to blink one day and they're just going to grow up. And then there are critical stages in life. And we're, I'm a huge proponent of early childhood development. Um, obviously, I'm not an expert in it, but I, I read a lot about it and I'd like to learn more about it and become lifelong learner about it. But it, it really is important to that there are critical stages in your kid's life and it, you just have to be there for all of them so that you have some kind of connection and an association. So when you need to sort of, you know, uh, uh, when the waters get muddy and you have to cross that, uh, you have enough that you built up with them uh, to, uh, to go off of, you know, it doesn't make sense what I'm saying, but to me that age, especially when hormones kick in is equivalent to giving birth all over again. It's something <laughs> that you can read about. Um, but not really, uh, going to know until you experience it and you just have to, you know, uh, do your due diligence. But I think one key thing that I've learned from other people that have older kids are just, you have to, I, I expect to be the peacemaker. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> um, I expect to be the, 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 the cardboard box or the brick wall where they can bounce ideas off of me, both sides. And I'm just in, you know, making sure that everyone's talking and at the table, because I, I think. I hear it's a difficult time between um, moms and daughters when it's at that age, but I don't know enough. And I, I'm, I'm constantly just trying to learn. But I, I think the important thing is to just stay plugged in all throughout their lives, just so that we're, you know, we're aware of what they're thinking as well. Yes. And myself having two girls, I, I think them getting older has actually brought us closer um, mm -hmm. because there are things that I dealt with that 
I can be insightful, but I think it comes back to what you're saying is coming to the table, right? We've always been a family that has communicated from very early on. And I think, and maybe you could provide some insight on this too, is our girls ultimately at the end of the day, on our last podcast, I said, Tatum might not tell me everything. I'm not naive. I don't believe that she's like, I'm the first person she's calling, but she trusts me. And when times get tough and when she can't figure it out, eventually she's going to get to a point where she's going to be like, okay, I need to go to my mom or my dad because I need help. Um, that brings me also to having that conversation early on. What, what are those looking like in your house right now? Have your girls faced bullying and how do you handle that? Um, because that is something I have found. I don't know about you, Nanda, is the bullying started very young. This is not something that just popped up when my daughters hit preteen teen. It started very young. And we had to have those conversations over and over again about how to handle it. So we did have to face that with our oldest, who's now seven. I think when she was three, we didn't know how to really identify it. Um, one, because she wouldn't open up and communicate. And uh, we're not there at the school. You know, for as much as we want to be around them, we realize that we're not the only influential people in their lives. So we're trying to be cognizant of that and, you know, talk to the teachers and if there are any other parents involved. And to be honest, we didn't know how to handle it. And I, I personally do think it shaped her a little bit. Um, and it was nothing really dramatic. It was just more that she started having less of an opinion of herself and the confidence started dropping. And those are things that um, we didn't really, you know, we took it as an approach of like, okay, let's figure out exactly why um, you became this target. Not that you're a victim. It's just like, what is it about us or you or the environment that we can uh, change to not promote this sort of behavior? And, you know, we did have talks with the teachers and, yeah, these are the things we're noticing and these are our concerns you know we made it uh, uh clear and you know for the most part we think we, she came out of it but it was a situation where it was just like the other person and 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 this is people we know they're like friends but you know we're all new parents and we're all trying to struggle to figure it out and it's like well we're not sure where, where it's coming from but let's just nip it in the bud and and kind of figure it out and but i, I was a little dismayed that i saw my three-year-old sort of transform and become a different person and by the time she hit four, whereas the second child, we're a lot more aware of it now, right? So we're like, okay, listen, if, if it's not going to happen. She's a completely different personality, you know, Zara. But the first one, yeah, you know, it's always in the back of her mind that maybe there is a, there's something about her that sort of, you know, yeah, lets her become a target. So we're trying to become cognizant of that and, and not lose sight that it was a one-time thing. And it was just, you know, it was the bully's fault. It was just, you know. I think anytime you have any environment, there are conditions that can lead to bullying. And it's just, you know, n not that there's two people to blame, but there's a lot of things involved in it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. That's yeah. really good that you said that. I think, number one, you know, a, a lot of parents uh, might say, well, okay, she's got to learn to deal with it. Um, that they have to leave, they have to learn to figure things out for themselves, you know, and I think that's at that young age, um, when you can actually start to see some behavioral changes, it's really important that we, we help adults help them navigate that. So that's exactly what you did. You, you became aware, you, you became engaged, you wanted to make sure that, you know, she knew how to handle it, you help her handle it, you try to help her empower her, like you said, is there something about her personality that's allowing that to affect her? Whereas like, let's say I happen to know your youngest, 
I don't think anybody would dare bully her. <laughs> I don't know what would happen if they did. I actually think it's the opposite. I think she might be the bully. I think I had this conversation with her the other day. It was like, Zara, is there something you want to tell me? Do you do this to other kids? And, you know, <laughs> no. And I was, you know, because, you know, even if we're not in a school situation, like we don't have the social thing that we're, we're now social distancing, but we don't sort of leave these conversations behind, you know, mm -hmm. like, <laughs> I think we randomly brought it up for something and I can't remember, but it was important for just to have that dialogue still like as though we're still in school. Like, Hey, have you been in this situation where you were the bully or you know, didn't call her bully, but where you're in a position to force someone out of their thoughts. I think their sisters were fighting or something. And then we brought that up, but yeah. And I think it, it's it, important that we also as parents recognize that you said the word victim. I mean, just because there's an issue going on, it doesn't mean that your child's not the bully. Right. I've had to have that conversation. Well, did you say something or did you do something? Like, I don't automatically assume my kids are innocent. Like, I, I want to know what all transpired. And then I, I'm going to get the other side of the story, too. So I yeah, think, I think the it's victim word was a, a very good word to use. And then, you, and then you also said something really good, which is this might not be an isolated incident. incident. This is, might not be a one time thing. It's definitely not. I mean, Throughout their lives, they're going to experience or they'll be in situations where there are people intentionally or unintentionally that want to manipulate them, I mean, into doing what they want them to do, right? Um, it may just, bullying may take a different form as adults. They become a little more savvy. But the fact that you are trying to identify traits and help her navigate that and become more confident and stand up for herself and her thoughts and give her a voice, I think that's... Um, that's a really, really good thing that you guys are doing. And, you, and you're giving hypothetical situations. We were asking, I don't know if I was just talking to Jan or we did on the podcast, but we were saying, do you guys ever practice? Like, do you sit and talk about different scenarios? What would you do if this? Have you been in this situation, you know, with your friends or family? And probably a lot of people would say no, but you guys are actually bringing up hypotheticals. Alicia does that a great job of that, to be honest with you. My wife, um, she sits down like pretty much every week and she goes through a hypothetical with them. And I, I find it fascinating because, you know, she's becoming a source of truth for them and comfort to be able to come to her where I'm more about, you know, where is the cause? Where is the effect? You know, I'm trying to look at the situation holistically and we have different approaches about tackling it and we are, we're learning from each other. So I, I think it's important. And role playing is important. I have a sales background yeah. and, with sales, they teach you, you know, you need to practice these things. You need to have a coach. You need to know how to handle certain objectives, right? So that kind of goes along with parenting, right? And as you said, Alicia does. If, you, if you're talking about these situations and you're saying, well, what would you do? You're making them think and then verbalizing it to you. And then you can kind of, as a parent, coach them. And that leads me to a question that Nanda and I discussed was, how do you and Alicia go about um, ensuring that your girls have a strong self-esteem and building that strong emotional foundation? So I think for us, it's about small wins, um, something that's achievable and sort of progressive and uh, just lets them build confidence for themselves, whether you know, I think we try to get them exposed to many activities as possible. I'm in a good position to do that. Um, gymnastics, I think we did soccer for a season. Dance, uh, we even entered a, a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu uh, for a little bit. And um, obviously now with concerns of COVID, that's probably not going to be a thing. Um, but uh, some form of martial arts and just trying to keep them active, uh, piano. So we try to get them as many 
as much exposure as possible to as many small wins just outside of school. Um, of course, school is important. The work that they do and the learning that they're doing and just anything, even when we watch a TV show, it's, you know, it's a lesson there that, you know, they can get a small win from and we take every opportunity to do that so they can sort of just build upon their own understanding of it foundation and, and just gain confidence. And I hope it, you know, so we'll, we'll see if it translates. <laughs> it will. It'll translate. <laughs> Amanda, did you have a, did you have something you wanted to add? Um, I did have a, I did have another ad question sure. and, um, for Rob. How do you, um, how much, how much of an awareness do you have as a father? And it seems like you have a lot that, you're the biggest role model for every man that follows in their life, right? So, that's <laughs> a lot of pressure, but that they, that they are learning how a man should treat a woman or what standards they have um, from you, right? And how you, I'm, not, I'm not, <laughs> not trying to bring your marriage into it, but just how you guys interact as a couple, you know, they're watching that's okay, that's the standard that I should have, you know, that's how a man should, every man should treat me at least as good as my dad treats my mom or as my dad treats me. Um, so, and I know that I, I'm not questioning how well you treat everyone, but in your mind, is that something that you think about and how, how much of an incredible impact on their lives that you have? Um, we, we think about that uh, pretty much almost daily as a couple, um, simply because we're both working parents. She has a full-time career. I have a full-time career. Um, um, we don't necessarily uh, want to leave our kids with other people. So we take on that, uh, extra load, just not because we don't trust or we don't believe in institutions. It's just that we wanted to once again, be engaged with them as much as possible while they're still young. Um, so, uh, to answer your question, it, we, we struggle. I'm not going to lie. We, we struggle on a daily basis just to get through the chores and their homework and, you know, dealing with work and sort of venting and, you know, um, you know, batting off uh, each other ideas or, or responsibilities or lessons. And I don't think they get to see a lot more of the uh, more intimate personal side of our relationship. Um, but we do, we have started over the last year as they've gotten older and they are a little bit more self-sufficient of, you know, going on more date nights and uh, taking uh, weekend trips away and um, having adult time, things of that nature to let them know, hey, mommy and daddy just really love spending time with each other. And I think that's going to be important for them moving forward to understand that, you know, space is an issue and, you know, we, you have to tackle it and you have to find the best way to deal with it in your own way. So I, I hope that, you know, I have other really good friends that have done the, I think the daddy daughter um, sort of uh, sharing a date or dance or things of that nature where they get dressed up and they, they teach their kids how to actually um, what to sort of expect from uh, an experience with a, a another person, and that's something we're looking forward to doing. Um, obviously, coronavirus really made it difficult this year, mm. but once it's over, I think we're going to do a little bit more of that um, so that they get that perspective as well, and maybe they see, you know, uh, my wife and I get uh, a little bit more involved with that as well. So it, it's a tough situation just balancing work life to for them to see that. So right now, all they know is that we work, and that we're fully and acutely aware of that that can be a problem as well too because we don't want them to sort of expect we don't want them to be trained in a singular way of life you know this is what they see this is what they must do we want to leave options open for them so you know if they find their path in life that they can choose it so it's a struggle and 
kind of jumping backwards a little bit, we were talking about difficult conversations and this was something we talked about with Tatum last week. We talked about um, entering the workforce and some things that she may or may not face and your kids are younger. Um, have you had like conversations and not to say scare tactic conversations, but like even conversations about like stranger danger and you know, those, those real life issues, because I know being in Arizona, even in when we lived in North Carolina, I know human trafficking is an issue and you don't want to scare your kids, but you want to make them aware does that make sense? The question I'm asking. No, it, it, it's an important question to ask. And I don't know if anyone has the right answer, but once again, I think we believe in exposure. Like, um, we, we want to give them this, this concept and, and ideal that we actually really believe in. And that is there is a good world and there is hope, but there's also a lot of bad elements out there. And we just sort of want them to not live in a, uh, uh I guess, proverbial bubble so that, uh, you know, that leads them uh, open to bullying and uh, attack and harassment mm -hmm. and um, just uh, anything that can come their way. So uh, we have different life experiences, my wife and I, and we're hopefully bringing that to them, but obviously we're not going to capture all of them. So we're hoping that they're surrounded by the, the right environments because, you know, we have good family and friends and uh, our, our ecosystem of people is just um, uh, healthy for them as well too. It's just, mm -hmm. Just not just us. It, it, what what is it? The old proverb: "It takes a whole village," and I think that's what we believe in. So, when it comes to um, important discussions like that, like bullying and workforce and poverty, and you know, they're really in tune because they're curious about it as well too. They're they're curious about what's going on with the coronavirus at their age, which I'm f fascinated by. They're mm -hmm. curious about the electoral process, so that um, we don't necessarily make. Um, a judgment for them, you know, whether or not we like one candidate or the next, mm -hmm. we uh, show both platforms and sides and just let them sort of come to their own conclusion based on their own like schoolyard experiences. So I think it's fascinating mm -hmm. to hear them. Well, this person is not good or this person is not, you know, mm -hmm. um, doing the right thing because um, this is not what we do on a daily basis. So I think it's fascinating how they're sort of tuned in because we let them, you know, see the world, but, we let them know that there are the really good parts of it too, like beaches and absolutely maybe. like vacations and Disneyland and Disney World, <laughs> Disney World. <laughs> all those things that we're missing right now. Right. Yeah. Um, but have you had those conversations already at the young age about like strangers and have yes, you that, that conversation? Stranger danger was the first thing we did starting maybe as serious age two for the eldest who's now seven about to be eight. Um, because human trafficking was one of our biggest concerns and it, it's still a living nightmare. Like I, I never want any parents to experience that and mm -hmm. we don't want to experience that as well too. So um, we try to educate them as much about, you know, the attentive of people, the areas that we, you live in, um, the sort of conditions that can lead to that. But we haven't showed them the, the gritty details like abductions oh. or drugs or we haven't done any of that yet. I don't think they're at, a mature level to really process that because one thing at a time. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that's important. And I guess my point was like at this age already, just to compare it from my conversations and Nanda's conversations with her kids, it's like your kids are five and seven, correct? Yes. So yes, you've already seven. had these conversations. I know for myself, my youngest daughter, she was a wanderer. Like she, we would go to the store. My oldest would always be by my side and I could turn my head for a second and Reese would be like four aisles down. And I just, 
you know, try to really instill that with her. Hey, here's why you need to stay close to me because while we're out having fun, this is all great. You know, sometimes fun can go bad. Yeah, I think our youngest is similar in nature and um, she's a little bit more independent with the thought and like to challenge us in a different way. Um, but I think she gets it. Yeah, we, we have the conversations with her, even if it's like, you know, one aisle away. Right, <laughs> right. More you know, if you want to do things independently, we want to encourage that. But at the same time, here's where we're coming from. Here's our perspective. We're never going to tell them like, hey, you can't, you know, don't do that. You're annoying me or something. Right. It's, it's more about, hey, you know, you know, this is why and this is the effect it has. And, you know, let them process it. Mm -hmm. So that's where that's at. And then did you, did you have a question? I saw you kind of nodding your head. Um, no, no, just, and just kind of along the same lines. Have you guys had the conversation with them about their, you don't need to go into great details, but just that their body belongs to them. Um, they're the boss of it. They control it. You know, sometimes I guess people don't necessarily, or, um, you know, know what even a bad person looks like. You know, we can tell them stranger danger and this person's bad, but when they come dressed in a fancy suit, you know, talking all nice and they look like their uncle or something, you know, like, oh, this might be a safe person. Have you, have you really had to, have you guys really, I know you're tr we're trying to protect them with their ecosystem, but have you also had that kind of conversation with so them too? We, we had this conversation in a roundabout way and I, I, I'm a little embarrassed to say it, but I thought that's the beauty of Frozen that movie really encapsulated that entire uh, concept because here you have Prince Hans who is, you know, dashing, daring a, a prince, a, earthly things and shows that he cared. And really um, they saw it for themselves. And then we actually had conversations about it afterwards. Um, just, you know, sort of not necessarily snake in the grass conversations, but uh, things aren't always what they seem to be sort of right. Um, one of the things I tried to do when Elena was at least younger was really trying to give her a perspective that there are many ways to do things, right? Like for math problems or playing chess or checkers or, you know, sports or anything that they do. And it, we, we try to equate that to people as well, too. There are many different peoples with different agendas. And, you know, we don't necessarily cover all of them, but <laughs> Stranger Danger is definitely one of the biggest things. I think that's a great analogy and a great point made by you, Nanda we call it stranger danger because that's probably how we learned it growing up. But the fact of the matter is, as you said, Rob, that there are people who are in our circle and we don't even know it who could potentially cause us or our loved ones harm. So, and I know that it does happen. Um, so I think that's a great point that you made. Um, and then jumping ahead and something that we also want to talk, talk about regarding Tatum's interview. Um, are your girls already using electronics like iPhones and iPads? And don't be ashamed to <laughs> say yes or say no, um, because there is a reason I'm asking the question. No, uh, say, so they do and don't. Um, I am huge into at their early childhood about uh, tangible sort of uh, forms of education. So we ended up putting them in a Montessori school simply because it didn't promise at an early age to be on a laptop. Um, you know, writing and reading and uh, doing constructive things with, you know, the bus. and obviously we're software engineers, so we, we fully understand that. But um, they, oh, they, they do you, we do let, I'll be honest, we do baby, let the iPad babysit them for like an hour, maybe a day. Um, but we definitely try to limit sort of their exposure to it. And if it is, and I know with, with social distancing and COVID right now, we're seeing a lot of, 
online learning and, and things of that nature. So they really can't escape it. So right. the answer is yes, but we are very cognizant of, you know, holding out as long as possible for them to just sort of get that tangible education at this critical point in life. So, and I kind of feel like, and I'm the same way, we let our kids use electronics very early. Um, they both had social media. And when I say early for us, it was 11, 12 um, for us. I know that there are families that had, when iPhones first came out, they had a seven-year-old and they were giving them an actual iPhone because they were having to go to after-school programs, what have you. Um, both my kids have social media. And the point of me saying this is that um, both of our kids have experienced bullying through social media, um, but yeah. the older one has learned to deal with it better. And something that recently happened to her, and I want Ananda to share her thoughts as well, um, Tatum, recently, we lived in Florida. We've relocated back to Arizona, which we consider home. Um, she recently posted on Instagram a photo of herself with two friends, and she was just reminiscing of a time that she really enjoyed and said, miss this time with these girls or something along that line. And the response she got was not, oh, we miss you too. Um, oh, that was so nice. It was, can you take that picture down? We don't like how we look. So I'm just interested <laughs> to hear your thoughts. Um, and Nanda, you had some thoughts as well, because this kind of goes back to our conversation with Tatum and, and how social media and being online starts to mold who they are. Right. Yeah. And my, my question also for Rob and uh, um, to think about you is how are you at the same time, because they are going to be, whether it's now or a little bit, or more, they're going to be exposed to the IG community where everybody looks perfect all the time and Vogue ready um, and rich and, you know, and, and the online image of yourself is important or you're opening yourself up to critique. Um, how do you, how are you also, in addition to that, teaching them that their heart is more beautiful than their appearance? And you have two beautiful girls on your grow up to be gorgeous and all of that stuff, but every, we all women can be so critical of ourselves and we don't necessarily want to engage in life if we don't look a certain way, if we're not presented as a certain way, like I'm not going to buy this outfit until I'm 10 pounds thinner. I'm not a size two. Can you put on a filter to make my face look better? You know, um, I'm not going to go on this vacation until I, you know, feel better about myself or, or, you know, you, you just don't necessarily, they, it just holds you back so much about in, in truly connecting in, with life and others when you are, when you're more focused on the external or superficial type things, which girls are very notorious for doing. Mm -hmm. So um, this is a really tough question, and obviously another podcast can probably just <laughs> touch the, the basis of this, but I, I think the key point for our girls are that I think their, their sort of role model begins with their mom, really, um, and that's how we sort of look at it. Yes, I think it's both parents. I, I don't think we are both um, people that uh, put sort of the material things above um, the uh what we call the inner strengths and um and part of that is language as well too like very early on i think my wife started educating me to this because um you know certain words uh can leave a long lasting impression and i can't recall a, a word but we don't lead with you're beautiful you know it's like wow what a great job you did um on this project or you know that's a really clever way of thinking uh, about a roundabout solution the 
So we try to encourage um, all, all sort of the intangibles that uh, we think have value um, in a person. And I think that's, once again, that's a, a subjective thing as well. You know, they say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And I, I think it means for the intangibles as well too. like, what are the, the critical principles and characteristics about a person that you, you like, or you, you respect as a person. And I think we're doing the things that make us feel like we'll be proud of them if they, they understand this concept as well too. Um, and it, and I think that's an, on an individual basis to be honest, but I think language and just leading by example are the two key ways. I don't think you can escape Instagram or social media. <laughs> and, you know, and obviously, you know, we're both in software engineering, uh, my wife and I, and we're always looking for an idea like that to sort of um, educate or promote well-being and, and things of that nature. And it, it's just every, everyone has a different perspective on using it. And I think with any tool, it can be good or bad. Um, right. But... Yeah, I, I think that stuff starts at home. Yeah, maybe I'm old school saying that, but <laughs> I, I think those are lessons that you can only learn from home. And if you don't have any guidance, I think you can abuse any tool. Yeah, and I, I just thought it was so shocking as Nanda did and as Tatum did. She was like, whoa, they weren't like missing me too. All they were focused on was how they looked. And I thought it was really eye-opening for her, right? And to Nanda's point is, how are we teaching our kids or the next generations to love themselves for who they are. Like I would love to not be on this podcast with these glasses on, but because of COVID-19, I don't have contacts. So, you know, but I, I'm not going to let it stop me from doing something I'm passionate about. Right. Right. I wanted to save my contacts for if I had to, you know, go out there in the world. Right. <laughs> um, no, you know, for us, for me at least as a dad, I really think sports comes in handy here. And, and I love being part of this country for that. And because uh, I think it does teach you about, you know, discipline, uh, motivation, uh, self-esteem, uh, you know, teamwork, um, <laughs> all the inherent things. And you can say hi to the youngest now because she does not want to listen. Hi. Say hi. hi. All right. Hi. Now wait. Say bye, daddies. Uh, having a conversation with Auntie Nando. You call Auntie Nando later. Okay, bye. Um, but I, I really do value sports um, for this aspect. And, you know, the small wins, and, and it, I think with sports or physical activities, you can get so many small wins. And it, it doesn't have to be about, you know, the, the best body or the, the best skill. It's just, you know, you feel good about yourself. And I, I think when you're just doing something active, that's how we're tackling it. So, Nanda, before we wrap up, was there anything you wanted to add? I did want to ask Rob, what are some fun activities that he has does with the girls when he engages with them? Because it's not just about being physically present, as he said, you know, it's also about being engaged in things that they want to do. Um, and I think before we started filming, you showed us um, your most recent, can you show us one of your activities that you did on your, I guess it was a manicure or pedicure session? Oh my, well, it's faded now, but I have closed it. I have pictures, pictures if you guys want the blog. I had my hair uh, tied up. It was a, um, and things like that. Um, and, you know, it, they were bored, so we, we allowed it. But, um, yeah, uh, just with activities with COVID and uh, without COVID are, are completely two different things because Atlanta has a, such a horrible commute. I typically go on a work late. I come home uh, late, and the weekends are the only time I get to uh, bond and do activities with them. And usually then that's, those are um, – uh, those are family activities. So I don't really get one-on-one -on -one, like daddy daughter time. 
And typically that's usually going to the bookstore. We love bookstores for some reason. Um, and, you know, recently with COVID, we've been, you know, doing a lot more outdoor things. Like we learned how to build a bow and arrow. Um, uh, we, I just bought checkers. You know, they're basic things that I grew up with that I realized that they don't have. Like they didn't know about checkers. So I just ordered on Amazon and we're playing checkers today. So, um, you know, just, and I think when I grew up outside of the country, I think we learned how to make our own toys. So we're trying to sort of get them um, thinking about it like that instead of consumerism, like they need to go buy something so they can uh, just go ahead and make them themselves. Cause we kind of, we kind of want to push the mentality that they can be producers, you know, and makers of things. And, um, and this is really a golden opportunity to take advantage of that. So I know Alicia does a hundred thing times, a hundred more uh, things that I do. She's much more creative with this than I am, which I'm surprised about because I thought I was very creative until I, you know, saw her <laughs> all these other activities. And I think we're doing like five different things for Easter tomorrow. Um, so it's interesting. But yeah, yeah. hopefully I'll be able to answer. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's I, uh, a couple of <laughs> I just wanted to say, you know, I wanted to sort of say this one quote that I think I was an international women's day or week or whatever recently that Angelina Jolie, um, that I really liked that Angelina Jolie wrote and, um, and as we're ending, um, and she said, so my wish on this day is that we value girls, care for them and know that the stronger they grow, the healthier they will be and the more they will give back to their family and community. And I think, um, and I really like that. And I think it's very, very true. And the more we empower them. And I think that, thank you, Rob, for being on. I think that you guys are doing a great job giving your girls confidence, giving them a voice, letting them have self-authority to grow and learn and explore, and then ultimately contribute to the world and the expansion um, of the world. And um, say is to that, that in doing so, what I've noticed is that you, their entire life just escalates and gets upgraded. So in their job, you know, they're not going to settle just for something. They're going to go for what, what they want. They have standards and they're willing to voice it. They're going to not accept substandard in their friendships, in their relationships, in their partner, you know, um, in their, their environment, in their world, they're just going to be able to go out and command the world to them versus just being at the mercy of it. So good job. Yes, thank you, Rob. Thank you. Again, as Nanda said, we want to have these conversations. That's what the transparency effect is about, to have uh, powerful topics to ponder, to inspire, empower, and motivate. And it was great to pick your dad, uh, your brain as a dad, and I'm so thankful that you came on and let us do that. And hopefully well, our questions weren't too tough for you. <laughs> well, it's, it, you know, I think it's important for every parent to really uh, have this conversation with themselves, really. These are questions that we should all ask ourselves. And um, I, I'm hoping I, I learned a, a lot about it as well. Um, and just I'll continue growing from this because, you know, these, you know, they, they change every day as well. Yeah. Ideals, so we just have to stay true to it. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you. And until next time, you guys take care. Thanks, Nanda. Goodbye. Thanks, Rob.